This is Reset. I'm Esther Yunji Kang and for Sasha Ann Simons. In recent years, there have been more stories by Asian and Asian American writers and filmmakers than ever before. Think Everything Everywhere All at Once, Minari, Turning Red, Pachinko. A new film called Past Lives adds a modern day romance to that list. It's the directorial debut of Korean Canadian playwright Celine Song. The movie got a double standing ovation earlier this year at the Sundance Film Festival and it's getting rave reviews from critics. To talk with us about the film is director Celine Song. Celine, welcome to Reset. Hi. So happy to be here. Well, first of all, congratulations on your very first film, a movie that critics have called stunning, elegant, exquisite, destined to be one of the best movies of 2023. How does it feel to hear such accolades for your first try? Well, I think that all I could really focus on is uh, making the uh, movie exactly what it needed to be. And then I think everything else I don't think is necessarily in my control. So it is just wonderful to hear that uh, people are connecting with it um, mm-hmm. and people uh, want to come see it. And I think to me, the the, the most the best part is um, not having the expectations that it's going to be sort of like uh, accepted and loved in that way. And then to realize that it does. And I think the joy of that, and that's something that I experienced at starting at Sundance and I've been experiencing it ever since. I'm just like, just so happy that it is uh, going so well. That's great. Well, how has your years of work as a playwright informed um, how you work as a director? Um, I think it was such a, uh, in some ways, a direct translation of my uh, work as a playwright, because so much of the work as a playwright is about, especially a film like this, is about uh, performance, acting performance, and telling the story, and telling the story through um, the character, the through the characters, uh, revealing themselves, and actors also their their faces and the things that they say, and you know, it, it's just one of those things where it's like it, to me the transition was uh, as smooth as it could be. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the film. You know, it's a, it's a story of childhood sweethearts, uh, Nora and Hesung, or Nayang and, and Hesung, uh, who are separated when Nora moves to Canada. They live separate lives and meet up in New York as adults. But, you know, I feel like the film is so much more than even that <laughs> synopsis. So how would you describe it in your own words? Um, I would say that the movie is about uh, what it actually feels like to uh, go through life and go through many decades and also to live in different continents. To me, that was at the heart of my uh, work around it as well, is to just sort of like describe in the best way that I can what it's like to uh, be alive and to live and to uh, form relationships that are both big and small, both like, you know, epic and uh, and mundane. Mm. Can you talk a little bit about the word inyeon, which is referenced a lot in the film? You know, it's a Korean word. It's not quite fate. It's not quite bond or relationship. Talk a little bit about it. Yeah, so the word inyeon is something that I think in, exists uh, very much in a lot of Eastern cultures generally and Eastern philosophy. Um, and in Korea, it's a pretty common word. People just use it uh, on the regular. And um, it's sort of like... And, and it's a little different than the sort of Western conception of fate because it's not something that you go and try to get. Mm. So often destiny is talked about in the West as something that you go and try to attain or get or like try to win. But uh, in a lot of Eastern philosophies, destiny or fate is about uh, accepting something that comes to you. Fate is something that comes to you 
uh, whether you like it or not. Mm. Um, so to me, that's what, sort of where the concept of inyon comes from. The inyon is about the connections that sort of just come to you. And uh, I would say that there are people who, uh, you know, when you need a glass of water, somebody brings you a glass of water, even that person is inyon. Mm. But also uh, your parent is an inyon too. And I would say that, of course, your inyon with your parents is uh, much deeper than the relationship that you have with somebody who just brings you a cup of water mm. uh, and never see again. But it still is inyon. Both of them are both inyon. The depth might be different, but it still is. And I think the concept of inyon is about just that ineffable feeling of knowing someone or uh, having known someone even before the moment that um, what we might you know, label a, a connection or something like mm. that. So it is about um, the ineffable feeling that we have uh, when we encounter another person. And I want, through this film, um, the people who have seen the film, my dream is for them to incorporate the word inyan into their lives mm. because um, I just know that uh, feeling connected to even the most mundane connection in your life can be so meaningful. You know, like, I feel like, you know, like you and I are sort of sitting here um, having this conversation and uh, I hope it's a start of many other conversations that we have. Yeah. But I know even this yeah. is is inyan and it might be not so um, grandiose mm -hmm. or really big or something that we're trying to attain. Mm -hmm. But like we're encountering each other in this way and we're trying to get to know each other. And to me, I'm like that is that can be meaningful and that can be deep and that can be a, a part of the way that we uh, relate to each other. And I think that should then shape the way we uh, treat each other, those sh shape the way that we connect with each other, because we know that the, even, even this mm. is um, meaningful. I love that. That gave me goosebumps, <laughs> Celine. Um, you know, this movie is inspired by Inyan in your own life, a real life moment at a bar a few years ago when you and your husband and your childhood sweetheart met up and shared a conversation. How much other than that moment is biographical? Well, to me, I think about it often as like an adaptation of some events of my life or really inspired by. Mm. Because to me, the thing that I was most interested in in uh, making the film is the, uh, is the story and the characters of the film. And to me, the, the thing that I want more than anything is for it to be sort of encountered as like something that's specifically about these characters and the things that they go through. Mm. So I think that... Um, Part of it is like, but does that actually? But does this movie actually reflect the way that I, uh, like, live through the world or the way that I connect to uh, my universe? I think the answer is yes. I think it to me the authenticity of human experience uh, was sort of the guiding principle for making the film. I was uh, the thing that I'm asking the most often is, um, does this feel real to me? Does this feel honest? Is this actually how it was? This is actually how it is for me to live uh, in this body, in this uh, time, uh, in this world, through time, in this way. Speaking of characters, is the character of Arthur, Nora's uh, white American husband, modeled after your own partner? <laughs> I feel like I don't think that I would use words like uh, modeled after okay, or something okay. like that. I think it's so much more about finding the characters um, with the actors that I have cast mm. and mm. through the text of the film and through uh, what we're um, uh, 
connecting to um, for how, how it's going to connect to the story. So it was a very much discovery and it's an individual discovery because like, you know, for example, me and Jim Magaro, who plays uh, Arthur, had a very specific and very special process to find uh, Arthur, for mm. example. And uh, when it came to, of course, Greta Lee and I, you know, same thing. We had a really unique process for ourselves that was so intimate where we were trying to discover Nora together. So, yeah. You mentioned Greta Lee, the actress who plays the character Nora. Once you got those actors in place, uh, the pandemic delayed film production until 2021. And and the actual shoot took a, a little over a month in both New York and South Korea it was really fun to see familiar actors who are in Korean films and dramas in your movie, like um, the dad character, for example. What was that movie-making process like, especially for a first-time filmmaker? You know, I shot uh, the New York uh, part of the film um, for a month, and then I actually went to uh, South Korea, and I prepped South Korea for a month, and then I shot in Korea for 10 days. Oh, wow. And um, I think the process of it was so amazing. And I feel like the process itself told the story of the movie mm. where I was very much uh, also translating between two film cultures wow. on top of uh, two, uh, two languages and two, wow. two otherwise just like, you know, just uh, countries. Yeah. And I felt like uh, the sort of translating between these film cultures, because we were basically, we had established a certain film culture between me and my department heads uh, in New York City. Mm. And then we all brought our culture over to South Korea and we were met with Korean filmmaking culture. So to me, um, as somebody who is fluent in both cultures and both languages, I found myself sort of sitting in between (laughs) those two filmmaking cultures as well. It's just amazing all the things that you had to juggle. I mean, you're juggling two languages, you're juggling two different movie-making industries. Um, And on top of that, this is your first film. I heard that that you you shot this all on 35-millimeter film. How did you get up to speed on (laughs) filmmaking in general? Like, I, I watched an interview where Greta... Uh, said this is this was your first time on a, a movie set. That's mind-boggling to me. The main thing that I'm sort of running up against is, of course, the uh, f- those feelings of uncertainty or insecurity or something like that, um, which is a natural part of doing something for the first time. But the other thing that I know is at the heart of what this process has been for me is that it was a self-discovery mm-hmm. or it was a revelation to myself about um, how I... And meant to be doing it or like how I was I felt very born to do it or like I felt like um, uh, this is exactly what I wanted to do, you know. So I think it's some of it was a, a learning process for me about what I want to do or what I realized that uh, what I thought were my limits before um, I could push through those limits and I had uh, so much more that I could do. So it's sort of was like um falling in love or something, you know, with it. That's all great and beautiful, but, like, do you Google how to make a movie? I mean, what did you do? Um, I did not Google, but I think it's more like part of the thing that I think was the hardest, but then once you could do it, it was the thing that saved me through mm. all of it is uh, knowing that I know it, right? Mm. It's like the belief that I know 
how this movie should be made. Mm. And some of it is, uh, some of it is you're faking it till you make it, right? <laughs> yeah. And some of it you just actually know that it has to work like this, or we won't, mm. uh, it won't work. I mean, I sometimes talk about um, like what it feels like to me. The job of director is is uh, being a professionally passionate person, where, <laughs> where every day you're just uh, showing up mm. and uh, making sure that you and every single person who's working on the film. Uh, is passionately connected to the movie. Mm. And part of that is to be really clear about your vision and then really clear about the unknowns and then also being able to communicate all of that so that uh, your crew is not just there to uh, work, but they're also there to uh, be a part of the creative process mm. of making the film. And then you can uh, sort of achieve things that I I know that I couldn't have done mm. by myself. So... Some of it is just like uh, just knowing what I know and then also knowing what I don't know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then for everybody in the room to be really clear about that so that the things that I don't know, um, people who want to make a great film with me um, can contribute. You're listening to Reset. I'm Esther Yunji Kang in for Sasha Ann Simons. And we're talking with writer-director Celine Song about her debut film, Past Lives. I want to ask you about your intent as a filmmaker. I've talked to enough artists to know that they're mm. not always out to make big statements about identity and race and social mm. issues. But in this film, some themes still shine through, right? And so what would you say to those who might want to claim this as like claim past lives as an Asian American film um, or even to people like myself for whom like certain themes like immigration really resonated I think at the heart of it, the main thing that I uh, would talk about all the time is how this is connected to the way that I exist in the world. Mm -hmm. So the thing about uh, the word identity that I think is sometimes a little bit uh, flattening of what we're talking about in a movie like this or in, a mo in any movie is that it sort of becomes about a commodifying or um, itemizing or, right, uh, uh, a person's experience into a word yeah. or into a certain uh, kind of blanket statements about what that is. And I think part of it is that, that some of that is just true, but it is, I think, maybe not the full picture of what it is. That's why I think I prefer the language of like ex existence. Mm. And this movie I know is an existentialist uh, piece of work because I know it is about what it is like to live and breathe as myself. Yeah. And um, in this story, it is really about the way that uh, immigration or like f uh, being displaced from your uh, place of your childhood or making choices to be uh, to leave a place that you live and it doesn't necessarily have to be something as dramatic as South Korea it can even be something as, uh, as little as like you're moving from Chicago to Seattle you know right. so I think it can be something that everybody can connect to in that way but I do think that um because uh, I live in this body and it is a movie that is about that, I think it is going to be uh, all of those things and more. So, yeah. You know, when we talk about immigration, there's a scene in the movie where Hesung, Nora's childhood sweetheart, uh, says to her, you used to cry a lot. Why don't you cry now? And she says, I used to cry a lot, but I realized no one cared. And... You know, for me, as someone who, like Nora and, and like yourself, immigrated twice, that exchange felt like a commentary on immigration. Maybe there's something, like, hardening or, or lonely about the process of 
leaving everything you know and, and starting over. What was behind that exchange? I love, I mean, you're the first person who talked to me about that piece of dialogue. And I always think it's like a, uh, it speaks volumes about what Nora is going through in the mm-hmm. film. And you're really the first person who talked wow. about it, which is amazing. Um, so the, uh, I think the part of it is, is it's a bit of a toughening, like what you're saying, like uh, becoming uh, uh, stronger in a way yeah. too, because a part of it is, is that uh, Nora is a sort of burning center of the film. Mm-hmm. And Nora is someone who has to hold center in all of it and has to sort of like know who she is and be who yeah. she is. And, I think that that can be uh, a heroic act on its own. And I think that's also, I think, what makes her so extraordinary. And I also think that's what um, makes these two men uh, love her Mm. Um, because I think they love her strength, too. Yeah. Yeah. And she's such an ambitious person. And in the movie, Hyesung also says to her, like, Korea would have been too small for her ambitions. Mm -hmm. And I personally think about that sometimes. Like, I feel like if my parents had stayed in South Korea... I don't have the the drive, the ambition, the self-discipline to succeed in a country <laughs> like that competitive. And so do you, as Celine Song, like ever wonder where you would be today if your parents had not moved your family? Well, I think the the part of the movie, this feels very connected to the questions that one might have about the uh, the movie. I think uh, th- so one might have about uh, the film because um, I think part of the living our lives is uh i think it is about looking back and thinking about the other possible lives that you have left lived but also uh, being an adult means that um you commit to and then you embrace and you accept the life that you do have Mm -hmm. and then you see uh uh, love and value in it and then uh and if you don't if you find that you're not happy where you are then uh then willingness to change that Mm -hmm. so i think it's like it is really like i'm so happy to be here in that way and I think it's like the other part of it is is that when Nora is uh, walking home uh, and crying it's really so easy to feel like the reason why she is uh, crying is because of the all the what ifs and all the possibilities of another life but I actually and I think that part of that is true but I think uh, the the truth of it is that she is grieving the little girl that she never got to grieve Mm -hmm. until that moment Mm -hmm. so um, part of it is part of that is like ex- accepting that um, you're no longer that little girl, right? How could you give? That's a spoiler alert, Celine. <laughs> I mean, that was the moment that like I was clenching my jaw the whole time, trying to keep from crying. And when that happened, that's when everything yeah. was released. Um, you know, we're talking a lot about Nora and Hesung, but we can't forget Arthur, right? The mm-hmm. the the writer husband uh, who is white, a Jewish. Um, one scene that really resonated was where Nora describes Hesung to to Arthur, and she's like prattling on about how she doesn't feel Korean around him, but also more <laughs> Korean. And Arthur is sitting there; he's listening, he's present, but he doesn't quite get it. And there's also another scene where Arthur talks about how there's a part of Nora where he can't go or understand fully. Um, as a Korean Canadian woman, is there a part of you that is not? fully seen by anybody, including, for example, your mom or your partner? To me, I think that no person is fully knowable Mm. by another person. Um, But I think that what makes all of it not lonely and so beautiful is that uh, we are always going to make an effort to understand and know each other. So I think I don't I think that having the expectation that every single person in your life should know 
every single part of you um, is an expectation that will be dashed. (laughs) So I think the thing that we can always ask of the people who love you and uh, and the way that you can uh, love someone is to not only make an effort to know the other person, but to also accept when there are parts of them that you can never know. And to me, I'm like, that is what is so amazing about the mystery of life, Mm. which is that um, there are things that are mysterious to us about every single person. And that mystery is the thing that uh, we can always have longing for. Mm. I think there's a tremendous amount of longing that Arthur feels towards Nora because, um, like he says, there's there's a part of her, there's a place inside of her that he uh, cannot go. And I think that's also true of Hesong too. I think Hesong has a tremendous amount of longing for Nora too, because of course Hesong speaks uh, her uh, childhood language, and he knows her as a kid, but he doesn't know her as an adult. He doesn't know her as a spouse. He doesn't know her as this artist in New York. So right. he also has a tremendous amount of longing for her as well. And I think, um, and of course Hesong and Arthur have longing for each other mm-hmm. too, mm-hmm. and because they're also trying to understand each other and see and. They also find uh, in their conversation when it's just the two of them that uh, they also understand and love each other as well just by being connected to each other Mm. through this woman that they both love very differently, but they both love. You said earlier that making the movie Past Lives was a revelation and a discovery of yourself and that filmmaking is kind of where you want to live. Does that mean no more plays? Like, What do you hope to do going forward? No more plays. <gasps> I think I no just fell plays. so much so in love with uh, filmmaking that, um, and I worked as a playwright for a decade, and I think that like because I've uh, fallen so hard mm. uh, for filmmaking that I feel like that's sort of the feeling I have now. I mean, who knows? Talk to me in in a, in a little bit. Wow. But I think that's right now. I feel like I just I'm just I just can't wait to make movies. Well, we can't wait to see more of your movies. Celine Song is a playwright and filmmaker. Her debut film, Past Lives, is out in Chicago this Friday, June 9th. Celine, thanks so much for talking with us. Thank you for having me.